Full Body Frequency, and I'm Laura Rice, your host. Have you ever listened to music and been transported to another place, space, or time? Well, every time I've seen violinist Caitlin Edwards play, the journey begins. A native of Alabama, Caitlin Edwards calls Chicago home in between playing at Coachella, recording with the Recollective Orchestra for Disney's The Lion King soundtrack, and appearing on the stage with the likes of John Legend, Earth, Wind & Fire, PJ Morton, India Ari, Lauren Hill, and so many more. 
Edwards began playing the violin at eight years old. Since then, she's won numerous scholarships and awards, earning both her Bachelor of Music and her Master of Music in violin performance from the University of Louisville and DePaul University, respectively. Caitlin Edwards, composer, arranger, violinist, and the creator of a beautiful tone and wonderful musical experiences. Welcome to Full Body Frequency. Thank you so much, Laura. I'm honored to be included on your podcast. And I mean, thank you for having me. Well, you are quite welcome. And this is a treat for me because uh, I'm a fan. <laughs> First and foremost, I'm a fan of your work and everything that you've done so far. And I'm looking forward to seeing much more from you in the future. Now that said, I must admit, I have violin envy. I had always envisioned myself with a bow in hand, breaking violin strings and making grown folks cry with my music. But the reality hit when my mother said, you need to master the piano and then take up the violin. But, you know, some dreams crust up like a raisin in the sun and it was not to be for me. But you are clearly doing what you were born to do. So what's your earliest childhood memory of music and, and why the violin? My earliest childhood memory of music it's probably singing in my church's gospel choir. I just, I grew up singing, grew up in the church from like the age of four. I would be singing solos with the like adult choir and it'd wow. be broadcasted on our local AM gospel <laughs> radio station um, along with the church service. I remember just always singing and my mom would put me in these like talent, little talent competitions in Birmingham. But that was my idea. Okay, one day I'm going to grow up. I'm going to be a famous singer. That's going to be it. And then in third grade, my teacher called our house and was like, hey, this organization, they're going into local Birmingham uh, city schools, elementary schools, and they're giving free violin group lessons. And I think Caitlin would be good for this. And I was just like, yeah, sure. Violin is something to get me out of class, you know, <laughs> get out of whatever class I was in. And I can go learn music. And to me, it was just so much fun, you know, getting to learn something new, do something new through music. So that's really shout out to that teacher, Shante Brown. Um, for getting me started with violin. All right. So this is a this isn't a flex, but most of my peers and I, we took music lessons. We participated and attended performances at church like you, school and concert halls. But most of us stopped playing before high school. Some of us were good. I was not. Uh, but most of us were not gifted. When did you and your parents realize that you had the gift? Well, I guess. When I was younger, I'll start off with that. I was in youth orchestras, like small little baby youth orchestras and stuff. And we would do these things called seating auditions, where we, you know, play a little excerpt and audition for our chairs, where we would be mm. placed in the orchestra. And so for every year, I would advance to a new orchestra, but I would also get placed as concert master. So that was my first, and concert masters, you know, the first chair, first violins. And so that's when I was like, oh, 
I might like be good with this. And I was just, I mean, I was excited to play. I was excited to practice. I was excited to do a lot of things. When I was in sixth grade, I was auditioning for the performing arts junior high, high school in Alabama, um, Alabama School of Fine Arts. And my private teacher at the time, she was like, okay, for us to do this, we're going to have to work hard. We're going to, um, you're going to have to work hard. And she was a mean lady. I cried after every lesson. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But um, when I finally got into the school, she was like, you have to promise me something. When you graduate, you have to promise me that you don't major in music. Hmm. Yes. This teacher told me this. She was like, don't pursue a career in music. And at the time, you know, I'm in sixth grade. So I'm like, oh, no, I'm going to law school and be a lawyer. And I think it was in eighth grade when one of the music teachers at the school mentioned to me, so, Caitlin, like, have you thought about the future? You know, what you're going to pursue in college, you know, music. And I was like, oh, do you think I could really do that? Because that, that previous teacher had planted in my mind that I could not you know, pursue this. Mm -hmm. And this later teacher really, you know, she helped me realize, no, this is something that's actually attainable. You can make a career in it. You, you're more than qualified to like pursue it and learn. So yeah, that was kind of my journey through figuring out, oh, I am good enough to keep this going. Mm -hmm. So I'm just curious, why did the previous teacher discourage you from pursuing a career in music? I think she was reflecting on her own career. Mm. Um, in my opinion, she she did a great job with establishing an educational organization that would go into the schools and give students the opportunity to learn. I think that's truly impactful because it got me to where I am. But she was reflecting on her own personal path of violin. Mm -hmm. And at the time, really, to, to seed in a career in violin performance, you either had to be a soloist or be in an orchestra, especially in Alabama. Okay. Um, we weren't in L.A. or New York, so there wasn't really... Um, representation of like film scoring or um, recording on albums with artists uh, that wasn't really represented. And I don't think she had much faith in me either. <laughs> but towards the end, she did. When I graduated from high school, she was really proud. So almost sounds like it's her fear of of what she didn't do and maybe disappointment. Maybe in some way she was trying to protect you. Yes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. So now we, we know you're gifted, but the gift will only take you so far. You said you enjoyed practicing, which I must admit a lot of folks don't enjoy. Your parents are staring down at you. Get on that piano, get on that violin. You know, I pay good money for whatever, whatever, whatever. So a musician of your caliber has to be disciplined. What are some of the personal rituals and professional processes that you engage in? Cool. So, I mean, every day is different for me. And I will say <laughs> I need to establish like a routine. 
But it's just so crazy as a freelancer. There are some days I have to be at work at 10 or maybe even earlier. These meetings these past few days started at 8, 8 and 9 o'clock, which is crazy. But my days always look different. Professionally, I aim to be on time, but like early to mm-hmm. things. That's, mm-hmm. I mean, that's always the goal. And uh, preparation. Uh, preparation is always key for me, especially juggling so many different things, so many different gigs. There used to be a time like when I was in school and college where I could, you know, just go practice for four or five hours and go do, you know, what I got to do. But with orchestra gig on this day, decompose on the next day, recording, like I just have to prepare for so many different things. So just truly taking the time to prepare for it. And I have such limited time as well. So it's a matter of juggling and splitting hairs almost with attributing time to different responsibilities, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And it's interesting, you recorded a music video that you placed on your uh, Instagram account. Did you record that while you were at Coachella performing there? I mean, how did that happen? Because it doesn't look like flat Midwest land there. No. That was funny. So yes, we were out at Coachella um, and we we recorded it on a Monday because we performed Sunday night and we had to check out of the hotel and head back to L.A. And so the hotel we were staying at, it was it was kind of cool. It was like modeled after cheetahs. It was called the Cheetah Hotel. Okay. <laughs> So they filmed part of it there while we were supposed to be checking out, getting up out of there. They're like, let's film this music video. Mm-hmm. And on the drive back to L.A., we would just see random things on the side of the road. Oh, that would be a good place to record. So we were, yeah, we were out there in the desert. You were playing your heart out, I swear. I was it's trying my best. So then here's a kind of a random question. But how many pounds does your violin weigh? That's a great question. It's not heavy at all. Okay. Um, I'm not sure how to, maybe like a pound. A pound or eight pounds? One eight, pound? One pound. Oh, wow. Okay. It's, it's lighter that, than I thought. Yeah. It's yeah. very light, um, thankfully. Is that, does that attribute to your really sweet tone? Well, the violin itself is a great violin. It's on loan to me right now till I'm 30. Oh, so wow. I've had, yeah, so I've had it since I was maybe 22, 23. It's a great violin, but also at the same time, I think I have my own sense of tone and mm-hmm. what I like to hear when I play. So no matter what instrument I'm on, I try to bring what you know, is in my heart and my ears to the instrument. And then it kind of just works out. <laughs> but yeah, the instrument is great as well. And the reason why I asked about uh, your instrument, because playing an instrument is so physical. And when you presented your Exhale concert in Chicago, I realized that you were standing and playing the majority of the time. You, you are literally shifting the narrative of plus size physicality. So 
let's be clear, people half your size can't do it. So how do you prepare your plus size body to stand and play nonstop so easily for an hour and a half or, or maybe even longer? Well, you know, growing up or specifically like in classical music, when it comes to recitals, you're trained from a young age to stand and do the thing. A TBH, <laughs> I'd rather <laughs> sit at times, but if it's solo playing, I like to stand. Thankfully, uh, I was just playing with this group, uh, Sphinx Virtuosi, and mm. we stand mm-hmm. when we play. As an orchestra, we stand. And that can be really intense because our concerts are like two hours. And I was coming off tour from that right before Exhale. So okay. I think I was just revved up. And also, it's like adrenaline in a way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, I'm focused on the music. And I try to wear comfortable shoes <laughs> when I can. But yeah, when I think of like Lizzo, you know, during choreography and just killing it and singing at the same time and just being the goddess she is, mm-hmm. she has to prepare for that and work and probably be in the gym to like stay on top of, you know, being able to do the choreography and sing and all that stuff. And so that's definitely something I want (laughs) to incorporate in my lifestyle. I feel like I'm always like running from gig to gig, Mm -hmm. but just having that time to go on walks or breathe and meditate. I think it's important to maintaining sanity and being able to do the things, continue to do the things. Absolutely. Well, self-care is your birthright, so please do it. So if you've just tuned in, you're listening to and perhaps watching Full Body Frequency, my guest is award-winning violinist Caitlin Edwards. And although she is classically trained, she plays the heck out of some gospel, neo-soul, hip-hop, and even TV theme songs while representing us big girls with the fly fits. So I <laughs> saw a photo of you on IG because I'm always on your IG, I must admit. Um. But <laughs> not a stalker, but a fan again. But I detect a bit of anthropology. What are your onstage fashion go-tos and what factors into your selection process? Okay. Yeah, it's still developing, which is really exciting. Growing up, there wasn't really many options for plus size fashion. Amen. (laughs) Yeah. And again, I grew up in a religious household, so it was like modesty. Mm -hmm. You wear your girdle, your your stockings, whatever. Um, So it's really, it's refreshing. It's nice to be able to have multiple websites and even sometimes stores in person to go to, to find pieces um, to wear. And I look at it from an artistic sense and also realistic. So realistically, I want to be comfortable. Mm-hmm. Like the jumpsuit I wore for Exhale, I love jumpsuits. And it was just comfortable and I can just flow in it. And then also like what complements my body. Everybody's bodies are different. And not all clothes are, you know, made, unfortunately, for certain body types and stuff. So 
I really try to explore, try new things, but just what speaks to me artistically. There was this suit that a friend of mine found online um, that I did some headshots in. And she just sent it to me randomly, like, okay, you might like this, you might not. And it was just like, ah, that's it. And that's like the feeling I like to have when it comes to clothes. Like, okay, that's it. That expresses what I want to express. Mm-hmm. I feel good in it, look good. So well, that's a bad suit. As soon as uh, I hit your website, I was like, oh my God, she is rocking prints. She is giving us, yeah. I'm just gonna say cliche, but life. It just felt so there was so much energy around around you with that so I was just like okay I'm into this I'm gonna I'm get into this let me check out who this is playing the violin okay there's a there was a paradigm shift for sure and you don't think of classically trained musicians wearing anything but black or maybe a dark color something yeah. very long nothing that accentuates the figure especially if you are with orchestra you know I'm not I'm preaching to the choir of course but Everything is to focus on the music, not on the yeah. the musicians. So, so everyone's wearing black. But given the cost of former wear, do you rotate your performance gear, or with social media, do you feel the pressure to be one and done with your clothing? Oh no, I rotate. Like the formal dresses is necessary. I can get a few wears out of dresses. But there are also dresses in my closet that I haven't worn um, in a couple of years that are formal dresses. Just because of the extraness <laughs> of the dress, it might like be really beaded or heavy. And I just, these days, I really don't <laughs> feel like going through all that. Yeah, I definitely rotate. When I go on tour this fall, I might buy a new formal dress, TBH. Uh, yeah, I have a tendency to do, <laughs> continue to shop, but I need to yeah deal with the dresses I have right now. I hear yes. you. Okay. Yeah. So in your bio, you mentioned that you've won four Grammy certificates for your work with the Recollective Orchestra, again, on Disney's Lion King. What are Grammy certificates versus Grammys? Is there a difference? Yes. There is a difference. Um, Grammy certificates are usually issued out to, well, not issued. You have to <laughs> apply for it. But um, for musicians, the engineers that worked on the project, um, anybody outside of the actual artist or maybe composer, depending on the situation. So the Grammy certificate is just like an acknowledgement Okay, you performed on it. You, I wish I could turn my camera around because I'm staring at them right now. But uh, the name of the project, uh, the Grammy Award year, blah, blah, blah. And a little, you know, trinket. It's just something nice to have. Well, it was well earned for sure. For sure. And I want to ask you one more question about Recollective because... I first experienced Recollective, and I think all of us did on a certain level, when the video for Black Panther movie went viral. And you're seeing all of this Blackness, all of this regalness, all of this great music playing over 
the song. And forgive me, what is the name of the song again? All the Stars. All the Stars, right. Kendrick Lamar. Mm -hmm, And SZA, right? And SZA, yeah. Yeah. So it's just beautiful. And so you were there with, uh, I'm going to say, maybe 50 other Black musicians? Yeah, around like probably like 40 to 50 folks. Mm-hmm. And just the epitome, the, the epitome of classically trained musicians coming together under the direction of Matt Jones. What was that experience like? It was incredible. It was a love project, a project purely out of love. Like there was no, there was no like higher entity that was like, oh, you guys need to come together and do this. Mm-hmm. Matt composed the orchestration, and uh, Stephanie Matthews, who is, she's one of my mentors, my inspirations. She's really killing the game out in LA. She's one of the founders of the Recollective Orchestra, Mm. and she's a wonderful violinist as well. They did this project out of love, wanting to show that we are here, we're doing the thing, and I believe that showed so many people like whoa black people orchestra killing it the flute i used to play the flute the mm-hmm. oh it was such an incredible experience and you know everybody in the room was you know like family we were having a great time together so that was that was a great moment in time <laughs> it was beautiful i mean from time to time i still play it It's just, it's so inspirational, uh, not only to see representation, but the music, it's just absolutely stunning. So, and I'm going to Matt. Matt, yeah, Matt. Matt. (laughs) Like, I'll look up sometimes and he's like over in Berlin or London working on projects. So Now, was the, that specific coming together, convening, did that impact? the launching to some degree or the attention that you got and, and future work or, or did it, or, or did it not? I wouldn't say so. It was just really a cool project to be part of, to take pride in, mm-hmm. uh, be able to share with our um, individual audiences, but everybody in that room, everybody is doing incredible things. Like you had Broadway musicians, musicians that, play in Broadway productions, um, Marquise Hill, is that oh, his yeah. last name? Trumpeter, mm-hmm. he was mm-hmm. up in there. Mm-hmm. Um, people that are already doing the thing, and that's what's so beautiful about our community of Black classical musicians. You know, they say we have to work 10 times as hard as our, you know, white counterparts. And it's so true, because when you look at um, our community of musicians, everybody is doing the doggone thing. Mm-hmm. Like they're going for it. They're making strides in their individual fields. So that was just a beautiful moment. We captured for all of us to see. So thank you for that. Speaking of group work, your Black Chamber Music Collective, Decompose, is receiving some really well-deserved recognition for its work illuminating that Black culture and creativity It's foundational to every music genre today, from rock and roll via Chuck Berry and Sister Rosetta Tharp, to country, to opera, jazz, and even punk. 
with the late musician Betty Davis, Bad Brains, Fishbone, and my favorite, one of my favorite musicians and composers, Tamar Kali. So tell us more about the specific work that Decompose does to preserve, promote, and present great Black music. Yes. From the very first concert, our intention was to uplift the works of Black composers. And we drew from music uh, by Jesse Montgomery, who's the current you know, composer in residence with the Chicago Symphony, first Black woman. Mm-hmm. And uh, Florence Price, who also, you know, had history of Chicago Symphony, uh, William Grant Steele. And so as we continued to uh, incorporate these composers, we also desire to collaborate with living composers and artists in our community um, and other artists, you know, outside of string playing. So that's our idea to like just continue to cultivate Black culture, but also to collaborate with the beautiful Black artists that are in our community and who are doing the thing out in the field. I'm excited to be a part of Decompose because there was nothing like Decompose when I was growing up. And to be able to do what I love, present myself like as I am, Bring my whole self into it and all the parts of me, the gospel, neo-soul, improvisation, and, of course, the classical chops. It's a beautiful thing. It is. We mentioned Decompose. We we mentioned Recollective. But you've also played with a number of orchestras, including the Sphinx Orchestra, which you actually mentioned earlier, the Nairobi Philharmonic, the Chicago Symphonietta, the Chicago Philharmonic, and of course, Candlelight Concerts. Even with all of that, you are really making a name for yourself with solo projects. I referenced your Exhale project earlier. Tell us about that project and your Exhale CD. How did those things happen? So Exhale was a pandemic project. I was just in my bedroom, (laughs) uh, just wanting to do something. You know, we couldn't perform at the time. This was very early on, like 2020. And so I began to make music. I bought a recording setup. So like mic, earphones, interface. And I began to put tracks, drum tracks, piano, play a little little bit of MIDI and just explore, you know, and it was really just for fun at first. And then I made one song, two songs, three songs, and then it was like, oh, I'll create an EP. Sure. And then I mm-hmm. kept creating and was like, okay, well now it's an album. And yeah, it was a pandemic baby. But it was all stemming, the inspiration for the music was stemming from the music I was listening to at the time, which I'm always listening to neo-soul, gospel, R&B, but also just my feelings around the pandemic. There would be times where I would go to the lake and just like write down what I was feeling at the time, the emotions, everything. And so exhale is transparency, you know, where I was in life at the time. And also what I was telling myself, you just got to breathe, you know, breathe through this, Mm -hmm. get through this. Don't know what's happening. I'm anxious, like, "Mm, can't really go outside. I don't, I hate to go down this road, but just not knowing, you know, Mm -hmm. will I get 
COVID? Will I end up in the hospital? How do I avoid this other than, you know, the obvious wash your hands and mask up? But it was just, it was a time of uncertainty. And that's when I learned to truly breathe, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, through the craziness. Mm -hmm. So hence exhale. So during your concert, your exhale concert that was at the University of Chicago, you had a number of special guests that appeared on stage with you, including your very gifted brother who plays the bass. Yes. And then you had a very beautiful singer whose name I forget. Yes, LaQuentin Jenkins. Q. Q. Okay. And as you continue with your solo projects, who's on your guest wish list? My guest wish list? Okay. I can tell you something that I've been thinking about for a minute, which will happen. I'm speaking into existence. I really want to do a violin and organ album with Matt Jones. Mm. Yeah. That wow. That's nits on okay. like my my want to, other than you know, continuing to create original music for myself. You know, growing up in the church, all those old hymnals and what we call blood songs and all mm-hmm. those stuff. I really want to create an album that centers around that music, but incorporating violin, organ. So that's on the docket, you know. I want to collaborate with some more singers, have some vocals on the album. Mm-hmm. while also still upholding the violin, just figuring out how to do that. I hope that kind of answered your question. <laughs> that is the question, and it makes me really curious. And now I have more questions for you. So are we talking about the Hammond organ? Are we talking about the ones with all the pipes, you know, like Rockefeller Chapel? I'm talking about Hammond. Hammond. Like Hammond, B3, okay. B3, okay. The church. Okay. So the Black church experience revisited and remixed, in other words. Yes. Okay. Um, with some, you know, elements of jazz. Um, and I think about, what's that song? by uh, Stevie Wonder. It's on uh, Inner Vision, uh, the, the album, uh, dun, dun, where it's just instrumental. Okay. Something. See, now I'm going to have to find it. But, you know, just expanding beyond, you know, just exploring what's possible with violin and organ. We might get saxophone in on it, too, or some drums, depending on the track. So uh, you have to keep a surprise of when that's going to happen. So I will. <laughs> we can be in the place. So I know you're a mentor to a number of aspiring musicians. And what are some of the words of advice that you have for them? Yeah, things that I stress to them. Organization. But when I say organization, organizing time, Mm -hmm. basically. A lot of young people, when they practice, they're practicing just to, you know, play the instrument. And you go over the same thing over and over and still make the same mistakes over and over. It doesn't get better. But just like learning how to focus and set a goal for 10 minutes, I want to work on my bow stroke for this particular passage. Mm -hmm. I want to spend 15 minutes working on intonation, putting things in tune. 
because these things weren't taught to me until I was in grad school. Mm. So I'm trying to tell them now, save them some hours, but also taking time for yourself. These kids are involved with so much these days, doing orchestra and then CMPI and then track or debate team and all these different things. And it's stressful. So many students are stressed out, especially with the world we're living in and social media and just so many things pulling at them. So I encourage my kids to take time for themselves, to breathe and to not get caught into the mold of, oh, I have to I have to practice five hours every day and I have to stress myself out. I have to play through my injuries, mm. all these things that unfortunately are promoted within classical music. And no, nope, we're throwing it away. You're a human first. You're a person first. We have to focus on you. So I try to stress that to them. Sounds like you're jailbreaking classical music to me. I'm trying. We got to live. We're humans first. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Caitlin Edwards, violinist, composer, arranger, cultural warrior, and exhaler, thank you for being here today. Thank you for having me, Laura. This was so nice. Thank you for your platform. Thank you for spotlighting plus size people and giving us a platform to speak our truths. I feel my heart is warm from this conversation and I'm honored that you reached out to me. Oh, thank you. Like I said, I'm a fan and I just want so many people to have the Caitlin Edwards experience that I had. So thank you for being here. For more information on Caitlin, her Exhale CD, or her upcoming concerts in a city or country near you, check out her website, CaitlinEdwards.com. That's Caitlin with a C, Edwards with an S.com. Or head over to ViolinistKate, C-A-I-T-E, at Instagram. Until next time, tune into your own full body frequency, where large is luscious living. <laughs> <laughs>